New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today, I'm here with Patrice Vecchioni, and she is the editor of Ink Knows No Borders, Poems of the Immigrant and Refugee Experience, and her co-editor is Elisa Raymond. Patrice, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. It's just a marvelous pleasure to go through this book that you and your co-editor have compiled. It's extraordinary, these poems that have come from all over the world, collected from people who have migrated to this country at some point, and you see something from a very different point of view. And I found myself just reading these poems out loud as I was going through it, because that's how poetry really is best. It is. When it's heard by the ear. So I would love to just start us off with a poem, if you will. Sure. And we're going to choose one, and we're just going to go with it, and then we'll talk afterwards. Okay, this is a poem by Gary Soto, a poet who was born to working-class parents in Fresno, and he's the author of more than 40 books. Mexicans begin jogging. At the factory I worked, in the fleck of rubber under the press of an oven yellow with flame, until the border patrol opened their vans and my boss waved for us to run. Over the fence, Soto, he shouted, and I shouted that I was an American. No time for lies, he said, and pressed a dollar in my palm, hurrying me through the back door. Since I was on his time, I ran and became the wag to a short tail of Mexicans, ran past the amazed crowd that lined the streets and blurred like photographs in rain. I ran from that industrial road to the soft houses where people paled at the turn of the autumn sky. What could I do but yell, Vivas! to baseball, milkshakes, and those sociologists who would clock me as I jog into the next century on the power of a great silly grin. I know you have to kind of take a breath at the end of that poem, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. So say something about him. He lives in Berkeley, and he's a very warm and lovely human being. He became a writer because he was inspired by Hemingway, Frost, Wilder, and Steinbeck. He said, I was already thinking like a poet, already filling myself with literature. And Gary Soto also said of his job as a writer, my duty is not to make people perfect, particularly Mexican-Americans. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm one who provides portraits of people in the rush of life. And that's what I found in the book. It's not trying to look at having those of us who have not had this experience to try and 
get us to cheerlead them or to say, or to even to change our mind or do anything other than to just sink into the experience of those who have had this other experience than those who have been born and raised many generations here in the U.S. Yeah, the poems are like almost little snapshots or windows into people's lives. The book begins with poets leaving their homes and it moves into people arriving. There are experiences of young childhood and adolescence, of welcome and exclusion, resilience and determination, vindication and love. All of it. All of it. All All the human experience. You know, one of the things that came up in reading the book and in reading all the different bios of the people and the forward and the afterward and everything— I was struck by the idea of language in itself. Hmm. And so some of these youngsters, when they came to this country and they were learning a new language, and many times their parents did not speak it. The good news is that they were becoming bilingual. Yes, right. They were forced to become bilingual. And many of us, myself included, never had that forced on me. And that's a shame in my view that I'm not bilingual. Me too. My father was fluent in Italian, and I asked him to teach me when I was a young child. And he said, we're Americans, speak English. And I said, but you speak in Italian to grandma and grandpa. Why can't I learn Italian? You're an American, speak English. In my day, there was an embarrassment of having another language. Now it's shifted and there's pride. And it's so funny because most countries in the world, people speak at least two languages. We are so backwards here in the United States if we only speak one language. I mean, you open the world when you can have two, whatever they are. It really doesn't matter. Your world is so much bigger. I think of it because the geographical location of the United States, it's quite large, and we can cross different states, and we might have different accents, but we don't have to learn a new language. Whereas, let's say, Europe or Africa, you have all these different countries just border to border to border, so people are forced to learn. It's a necessity. It's a necessity. Yeah. And I think... It becomes harder as you're older if you can do it. It sure does, yeah. Yeah. I would have soaked up Italian when I was a Uh, little girl. But the language of poetry, Mm -hmm. now that is universal too in its power to evoke something very tender and very deep in some way. Can you describe what sure, that is? It's, well, poetry is a distillation. It's a concentration of language. So few words stand in for what would be in a novel or a short story, many words. The best poems describe through the five senses, because that's where human beings live. We live in our ability to see and feel and hear and smell and taste. So when a poet says that he is crossing the desert that didn't look like sand and only sand, as Javier Zamora says, you get a picture of that sand and you probably can also imagine and feel the heat of it in your imagination. So what a poem does is almost gives you as close to somebody's experience as you can possibly get without having it yourself. That's how I think of poetry. I think in one way to enter poetry really easily is with haiku. 
first line is five syllables, the second seven, and the third five. That's a traditional way. That's a traditional way. And mm-hmm. it's usually using some sort of nature reference. Right, it, it is. And oftentimes there's something that's surprising that happens during the course of the poem. So one could just sort of fool around with that. Everyone sure. can do that one sure. and surprise themselves. That's right, and feel a sense of success as well. Yes. So how do you teach poetry? I encourage people to not make sense, which might seem counterintuitive. But the reason is this. We spend a lot of time trying to be practical and rational, and that's not the way into poetry. The way into poetry is to trust your imagination, because you know more than you know you know, and the imagination is infinite. I had a student not too long ago. She wanted to write about her brother's death but she couldn't remember anything about the day she got that call. So I suggested to her, go home and write everything you don't remember. Write, I don't remember what day of the week it was. I don't remember where I was standing. I don't remember what I said on the the phone. And she looked at me and she was angry. She said, that's a ridiculous idea. But she trusted me. So she went home and she did that. And she emailed me that night and the email said, I remembered. And she remembered everything she thought she had forgotten. Because the reality is nothing we experience is really lost to us. It's all inside of us. When you write a poem, you get access to the depth and the wealth of your experience and the range of it. And in that example, when she did then write down and realize that she held that story inside of her, Mm Could you describe how it changed her life in some way? Well, she felt relieved. She almost had felt embarrassed that she had forgotten because she was her only sibling and she was loved her brother. So she felt like she got her life, a piece of her life back and had more integrity in her memory because she was able to regain that story, that truth. So that's just a wonderful exercise for any of us. People often say, oh, I don't remember any of my childhood, and just to use that as an exercise. And I don't remember... I don't remember my first day of school, or I don't remember getting a new bike, or I don't remember my mom getting angry at me, whatever it is. And you'll find, if you're ready to remember it, and I think that that our psyches protect us so that if we're not ready to remember something, and maybe we never will be, then you won't remember it. Right. So what else can poetry do for us as far as deep healing? Well, it sure does give us a sense of empathy because you read somebody's poem or you listen to a poem like Gary Soto's poem. And I think, well, I never had to run out of the back door of a factory when I was a young person or any time. No one ever told me that I'm not an American. I mean, there's his boss saying, don't lie. And he was. He was born in Fresno. He's an American. So I think, oh, and my heart races when I read that poem, because I think how scared he must have been. And then what a resilient human being to transform that fear into being the wag of the short tail of Mexicans and this grin carrying him into the next century as he ran down the street in Fresno. So as a reader, my world gets larger. It does. It does. It expands us. It expands us, yeah. Yeah, and then our lives become more and more inclusive. Right. In this book, you're bringing poems from people from 
all over the world. Yeah. I mean, about from 28 countries, 20. Sudan, Mexico, El Salvador, Poland, Russia, Syria, Iran, you know, Korea, Korea, and, you know, Vietnam, China, yeah, yeah, Japan. Just, it just is amazing compilation. And yet all of them speaking with such great imagery that we can just that's right. Sink into. That's right. We and there come it. the five senses again. So we get imagery through poets describing the actuality of their experience, what they saw and touched and tasted and smelled and, and heard. I'm just vaguely remembering someone who had to leave China and then their family, and then they went to Indonesia, and then they were going to be incarcerated in Indonesia, and somehow they avoided that and ended up in the U.S. Do you recall That's that? That's Lee Young Lee, and, and Lee Young Lee is a poet in his early 60s. He's one of America's most well-loved poets. And yeah, for political work, his father had been incarcerated, and then there was a fear that that could happen again. The poem is called A Hymn to Childhood. Would you like me to read oh, it? Oh, I'd love for you Great. to read that. I would that love list. to read this. A Hymn to Childhood by Lee Young Lee. Childhood? Which childhood? The one that didn't last? The one in which you learned to be afraid of the boarded-up well in the backyard and the ladder to the attic? The one presided over by armed men in ill-fitting uniforms strolling the streets and alleys, while loudspeakers declared a new era and the house around you grew bigger, the rooms farther apart with more and more people missing. The photographs whispered to each other from their frames in the hallway. The cooking pots said your name each time you walked past the kitchen, and you pretended to be dead with your sister in games of rescue and abandonment. You learned to lie still so long the world seemed to play you viewed from the muffled safety of a wing. Look, in run the servants screaming, the soldiers shouting, turning over the furniture, smashing your mother's china. Don't fall asleep. Each act opens with your mother reading a letter that makes her weep. Each act closes with your father fallen into the hands of Pharaoh. Which childhood? The one that never ends? Oh, you, still a child and slow to grow, still talking to God and thinking the falling snow is the sound of God listening, and winter is the high-ceilinged house where God measures with one eye an ocean wave in octaves and minutes and counts on many fingers all the ways a child learns to say, me, which childhood? the one from which you'll never escape, you so slow to know what you know and don't know, still thinking you hear low song in the wind in the eaves, story in your breathing, grief in the herd dove at evening, and plenitude in the unseen bird tolling at morning, still slow to tell memory from imagination, heaven from here and now, hell from here and now, death from childhood, and both of them from dreaming. And that's, you know, everybody has more than one childhood, whether you've had, you know, your house ransacked by soldiers or whatever. We all have more than one childhood. So I just want to thank you so much. It's something that we can just, this book and these poems we can live with for a long time. They haunt me. Then I remember one. I remember an image here or there. I think, oh, who wrote that? And then I'll go back and read the whole poem again. Thank you so much for this great work. Thank you for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. 
pleasure to be here, Justine. I've been speaking with Patrice Vecchioni, and she, along with her co-editor, Elisa Raymond, are the editors of Ink Knows No Borders, Poems of the Immigrant and Refugee Experience. And to learn more about Patrice's workshops and her retreats, you can go to her website. It's patricevecchioni.com, and she spells her last name V-E-C-C-H-I-O-N-E. Vecchioni, patricevecchioni.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.